Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free. So we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season two. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing season two, episode 15, Give Me a Sign. It originally aired on February 24th, 2000, and had 6.44 million viewers. All right, let's get right into this amazing episode. Let me just say, like, when we were talking about the last episode, I feel like I wasn't doing a good job of hiding it. Not the last episode, but the last episode Bane was in. Like, I was kind of like, oh, we'll never see him again. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I'm so glad that he's back and I've been waiting for this moment. And I don't know how they managed to make him even sexier, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know. Maybe it's because he does literally no wrong in this episode. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, Except maybe the kidnapping at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe maybe that. Maybe that might be a maybe just wrong. one small flaw. <laughs> All right. So this episode starts out in a prison and we see two guards walking down the cell block and they stop in front of a cell and they say, All right, Jessup, time to go. And we see Bane, he's shirtless and like working out or something. Ugh. Couldn't even focus on anything else. Um And then they tell him that they're taking him for his hearing, but you can tell he's very suspicious of them, but eventually, like, goes along and with them. As they're walking out with Bane, who's in cuffs at this point, Bane says, Litvak sent you, didn't he? And the guards kind of didn't say anything, so he elbows one of them to get free, and the other goes to zap him with this, like, weird tool thing, but it hits the guard that Bane hit and, like, kind of used as a shield. And then Bane kicks him and the tool flies under a car. And then they start fighting and we can see the guard magically heal his like scar and he's like super strong and, you know, throws Bane. But when he turns around to get the tool, Bane runs into an open van and drives out of the prison and escapes. Then the guard goes back for the tool but doesn't get it because another guard comes up. So he just runs away. So... Obviously, these guys are demonic. The guards were faking something for Bane. And Bane, badass as he is, managed to escape. Love it. Yes. And I also, like, I'm picking up very much on how, like, smart Bane is. And I think this is coming from, like, what we saw last time we saw him, how he was kind of, like, the leader of his own organization, right? So he knows how someone like that would act, which is like this lit vac person that I'm sure we'll find out more about as we go through the episode. Exactly. So he's kind of has had his own experience. So he knows how to handle a situation like this, how to be able to tell, um, which I think it, it fits. It was pretty smart to have him like be suspicious like that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, overall, this is an interesting scene. I mean, I'm happy to see Bane back. I'm excited to see like where this is going to go and how it's going to connect back to the Charmed Ones. Agreed. So then from there, we go to the manor and Phoebe and Piper walk into the kitchen together and they're like in workout clothes and they look kind of sweaty. 
And clearly they're in the middle of a conversation. Piper's saying how Leo's mortal now and everything, but for how long? I mean, how do I know he won't want his wings back someday? And then there's Dan, who is still great and normal, which is good considering I'm not. And Phoebe's like, 28 minutes, 33 seconds. And Piper's like, really? We ran that long? And Phoebe says, no, I've been timing how long you've been comparing Leo and Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So fucked up. And then Piper's like, I'm your sister. I have a problem. The least you could do is be more understanding. I feel like that would be me too. Like if I was talking about something and one of my siblings was like timing me. Yeah, you would totally say the same thing. (laughs) But she's like, Piper, I am understanding. You're in love with two guys who both love you. I get it totally. But what I don't get is why you won't let me help you. And Piper's kind of like, oh, like, what do you mean? Take one of them off my hands? And Phoebe kind of like makes a face at her, like, kind of like, oh, sure. And then, you know, (laughs) Piper's like, that's not an option. And she laughs. And then Phoebe kind of says that she might need help, assistance, a sign. And then she talks about this spell that will point a magical arrow in the direction of her true love and end the great debate once and for all. And Piper points out that that's definitely going to have personal gain. And Phoebe says that she's been working on spells and she thinks she can avoid the consequences. Piper says that she can't expect magic to solve her personal problems. And then they start walking to the dining room. There we see that Prue's in the conservatory and she's going through this box of camera equipment. And she asks when it got there. And Piper says, It was about an hour ago. She's like, I didn't want to wake you up. And then asks Prue if everything's there. Prue says it is. And then her sisters walk over to her. They're looking at all the stuff because she has all the boxes open. And Prue says, I know it's a lot, but so much of photography has gone digital now that if I want to seriously pursue it, I have to have the right equipment. And Phoebe asks her if she's thinking of becoming a professional photographer. And Prue says, yeah. Why, you don't think I should? And Phoebe's like, no, no, I mean, it's great if that's what you want to do. It's just, isn't photography just a really dicey profession money-wise? And then Piper, like, pinches Phoebe, and Phoebe's like, ow. And then Prue says she's thought about that, and Piper says, Prue, you've dreamt of winning the Pulitzer in photography back in college. You never wanted to work at the museum or at the auction house. That's something you did for us so we could keep the house. Now it's your turn to follow your dreams. And Phoebe says that maybe finding out she was a photographer in her past life was a sign. Speaking of signs, and then she looks at Piper and starts walking out of the room. Piper's like, no, and follows after her. And then Prue walks over to the mirror with the camera and she takes a photo of herself and says, portrait of a dreamer. So I like that they have this whole dreamer like theme kind of going on throughout the episode, which we'll see. I do want to point out real quick that I didn't like because you didn't go over it, but I didn't like that comment that Phoebe made that was like, how many women professional photographers do you know? Like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, what is what does that matter? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent photographers. I feel like so what, you know? Yeah. And I feel like even just pointing out that, like, there aren't many professional photographers that you know in general like why did she have to bring up like the fact that Prue's a woman into it exactly like you didn't you could have left out the woman part like I get it photography 
it's not that you know common or at least at this time like big and i understand where what phoebe's trying to say but like bring up the women part like what does it matter whether you're a woman or a man i feel like that shouldn't make a difference in your skill set but that was just yeah. weird to me also i'd like to point out i think i know like five professional photographers like people who actually like make money doing photography and four of them are women so yeah. i feel I like mean, i know more women than i do men who are professional photographers i know i totally agree like our aunt martha is a professional yeah. photographer like i don't yeah it's it's very weird but Anyways, I like the whole like introduction of Phoebe and Piper talking about Leo and Dan. And obviously we can see that that's going to be another uh, important factor in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think there are two things that come up a lot in this episode. It's the idea of being a dreamer and the idea of signs. Yes, exactly. The whole episode and... is full of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And both of those things are introduced in this scene. And I will say, you know, they talk a lot in this episode about being a dreamer and like my favorite movie, most people haven't seen it. Probably no one has seen it who listens to this podcast, but it's a really bad 80s movie and it's called Eddie and the Cruisers. And there's this line from the movie that's like, because um, there's this guy in the movie and he's like kind of a villain, but he's also part of the band. And one of the guys says to him, you know, I asked Eddie why he kept you around once. And he said, Doc's a dreamer. The world needs dreamers. And that's like one of my favorite quotes from that movie. And it just reminds me of this episode because it's so true. Like the world does need people with big dreams in it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's how people become successful. That's how the world kind of evolves. And the world does need dreamers. It's a good quote. Yeah. And I feel like that quote like really makes me think of like Prue and everything she's going through in this episode too oh definitely yeah so then we go upstairs by the bathroom and we see Piper standing outside the door and she's like Phoebe you're not in there writing a spell for me are you and she obviously is but Phoebe's <laughs> like uh no I'm in the bathroom who writes spells in the bathrooms I'll be right out and then does the spell that she writes there and we see downstairs in the conservatory while this is going on, Prue is still looking in the mirror. And next thing you know, Bane walks up behind her and he says, hello, Prue. She goes to scream, but he covers her mouth with a cloth and that's got like chloroform and she passes out. Mm -hmm. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the two setups of our main plot, we have Phoebe casting the spell and then we have Bane kidnapping Prue. Exactly. So there's his one flaw throughout the whole episode right there. Yeah, the, the one bad thing he does. <laughs> exactly. And aside from that, yeah, we, we've got the whole setup. We see how Bane is now connected with the Charmed Ones again. And we see this spell that Phoebe's casting for Piper. And we're going to see those connect later too. Yes, exactly. So then from there, we go to the theme, and I totally forgot to mention it last episode because I know we were looking out for it, but they did add Brian Cross to the theme song as of episode 14, so now he's officially in there, so he's officially considered part of the main cast. I noticed this episode that Dan is not in the theme song, but I realized it's just because he's not featured in the episode. Um, yeah. And for some reason in this season, they don't do this in any other season, but if someone doesn't appear in the episode in season two, they're not featured in that episode's theme song, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I never realized that they do that. 
Yeah, because they don't do it in any of the other seasons. It's literally only in season two that they did that. Yeah, that's super weird. You would think Dan would still be in that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I think it was literally just so they didn't have to pay the actor for the appearance. Probably. Makes sense. But yeah, now that Leo's in the theme song, wonder what that means. Wonder what him being a main cast member means for him, Piper, and Dan. He's coming back. Honestly, he should have been in it way sooner, though, because he was in more than half the episodes of this season, even before he got considered a main cast member. Yeah, I know. He was in several episodes, so I don't know why he wasn't, which is something we were talking about, but I'm glad that he finally is. And now at least we know that means that he is going to stay or at least be around a little longer. Yeah. So back in the manor, Phoebe is in the kitchen holding Prue's camera with her eyes closed, trying to get a premonition while Piper is looking at her. And she's like, well, and Phoebe puts it down and she says nothing. And Piper's like, we have to keep trying until you do get a premonition. We have to figure out what happened to Prue. Phoebe's concerned about the crack that she made about her becoming a photographer. She doesn't want that to be the last thing that she ever says to her. And Piper's like, Phoebe, don't overreact. That's my department. All you have to do is relax and concentrate. And then the doorbell rings and Piper gives her the rag and tells her to try that again while she goes to get the door. And in the doorway, she opens it up and it's Daryl and he comes in and closes it and says, I got bad news and I got worse news. Which ones do you want first? And then Piper calls for Phoebe and they go over into the living room and Piper's like, does this have anything to do with Prue? And he says, unless she helped Bane Jessup escape from county jail, then no. And Phoebe walks in and they refresh us on who Bane is from the previous episode with Barbus. And then Piper asks when he escaped and he tells them and then realizes that something's wrong on the girl's side. Piper says Prue's missing we think she may have been kidnapped and then Phoebe gives him the rag that they found by the back door and he sniffs it and smells chloroform on it Piper says we would have called you but we didn't know who or what had taken her Daryl seems to think it was Bane and Piper wonders why he only took Prue and Phoebe thinks that it might be to lure them into a trap with another demon and then Daryl gives them the tool and says that he found it at the crime scene Phoebe tells him that it's definitely demonic and they ask to keep it and he lets them keep it and then says that he has to go and they want him to keep it quiet to keep Prue safe and he agrees with this and then opens the door to leave. As he opens the door, we see the delivery man who comes up and says, hi, I've got a sign. It's for Piper, Piper Hallowell. And Phoebe takes the box that Piper has to sign for and says, Leonardo's Boutique, Bodega Bay, California. And Piper's like, yeah, Dan and I were there, ordered some earrings. And then the guy leaves and she closes the door and Piper says, the delivery man said he got a sign. And Phoebe's like, hmm, like just kind of trying not to admit it. And then Piper's like, Leonardo's Boutique in Bodega Bay. Leo, short for Leonardo, Bodega Bay, where Dan is from. And Phoebe looks down and Piper's like, don't act blonde. You cast that spell, didn't you? And Phoebe's like, yes, I did. Piper's like, when I specifically asked you not to, and at a time like this, she's like, I was just trying to help Piper, and it was before Prue disappeared. And then she hands her the the tool, and Piper's like, you, this, Book of Shadows, go. And Phoebe takes it, but gets a premonition as it happens, and sees Bane putting a blindfold and a gag on Prue, and she tells Piper Mm -hmm. that that's what she saw. 
So here we are seeing the first of the signs um, about Dan and Leo showing mm -hmm. both of them, not really giving her any real direction at all. And we get the information from Daryl. So now the sisters obviously know that this has something to do with Bane as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're kind of setting up some things here. Now they have that tool in their possession. So they're going to find out what it is. They have an idea of where Prue is, both because of what Daryl said and because of Phoebe's premonition. Yeah, yeah. mostly set up, I think. Mm -hmm. I will say that I enjoyed... Um, Piper and Phoebe's interaction here, the little like banter and the bickering felt very sisterly, very cute. Yeah, I and definitely agree. That's my main note about that scene. Me too. So then we're at some type of like construction site or something. We're inside an unfinished house and Prue's in a chair. She's bound and gagged and Bane walks over and he takes it off like the cover off her mouth and tells her not to scream. And she says, why not? He says, because if you do, we won't be able to talk. Besides, it won't help. The nearest neighbor is about six miles away. She goes, then why not take off the blindfold? What are you afraid of? And he says, are you kidding? I've seen you use your powers before on me. And then he says, all right, if you try anything, the blindfold goes back on. And he takes it off. Prue asks him what he wants. And he says that he needs her help to save his life. And she says, most people ask for it. They don't kidnap for it. He tells her he's not most people and neither is she. And she asks why he thinks that she will help. And she's, he says, I don't, but without you and your sisters, I don't stand a chance against this particular demon. Prue's kind of like, well, that's a good thing. He says he tried to have me killed today. Prue, I got lucky and barely escaped. And he's going to keep trying. And Prue doesn't really get why this demon is after him. She's like, you're immortal. He says, a mortal that knows about demons. He doesn't like that. Litvak, that's what they call him. And she's kind of looking around and asks where they are and if it's his place. He says it was going to be before you came along and cut me off from my dreams. And she's like, because you tried to kill me. He says, well, that was before I got to know you. She tells him that he doesn't strike her as a dreamer. He says, there's a lot about me that you don't know. And she says a few things you need to learn about me too. And she uses her power from her eyes and throws him back against the wall. And she says like how I will never put my sisters in danger so you can forget about any of us helping you. And he walks over and puts the blindfold back on her. And then he leans in close to her and says, sooner or later, you're going to have to trust me, Prue. And then he gets up and walks away from her. All right. So I love this whole first interaction between Bane and Prue. I feel like there's so much chemistry there right off the bat. Played very well, must say. And as far as him and her having this banter, he him needing her help about this demon, obviously we're going to see that things get better from there. But uh, I like the argument in, at first. Felt yeah, real. definitely. I feel like even though this is, I mean, spoiler to the end of the episode, this is a one episode arc. The enemies to lovers trope works so much better in this two episode arc between Bane and Prue than it ever did in the multi-episode arc that we had with Prue and Jack. I totally agree. I see it so much more. We never had this much chemistry with Jack, had this much of a connection as we see here with Bane and Prue. And it is unfortunate that it only lasts two episodes like you said like because i i really could see this 
developing into something. Yeah. No, as me we'll too. we'll see as we go on. Mm-hmm. And even in just this first interaction, like, all of that little, like, flirtiness that was there the first time they met each other, like, elements of that are still there, even though, like, they're in such a different place in this episode than they were last time we saw them interacting. Yeah, it's almost like a lot of sexual tension type vibe, you know? Like, their banter is still feels very flirty between the two of them. Yeah, and I like the way that he's kind of like, you're gonna have to work with me, and she's so against it. Like, I like this push and pull that they're having. I think it's an interesting setup, and I'm really excited to see, like, how he's going to get her over to his side and kind of how this chemistry is going to play out in the rest of the episode. Me too. And, you know, this kind of first introduces the idea of trust into their relationship, as well as the idea that both of them are dreamers. And now we uh, are starting to get lit back, introduced to the Charmed Ones as well, and we're going to see him kind of come after them as well. Exactly, kind of like our main bad guy of the episode. So now we are at a cemetery inside a mausoleum, and we see a demon is standing there with his eyes closed, and there's this big ball of fire floating between his hands and spinning around. And then the guard comes in from uh, the guard from the prison and approaches the other demon that's standing by the doorway, and he's like, what took you so long? And the guard tells him that there was a problem, and the guy in all black doesn't get how that's possible. The demon says Bane Jessup is just a lousy mortal, but the guard's like, well, he's smart. And they start thinking about what they're going to tell Litvak. And the demon with the fireball, who we find out is Litvak, puts it out and walks over and says, you're going to tell me how you plan to rectify this little problem, is how I believe you phrased it. And the guy in all black, who seems to be like Litvak's assistant mm-hmm. kind of thing, tells him to get on his knees and then knocks the guard down and Litvak touches his head and sees a vision of everything that happened and he says I saw what you saw how he used you to kill the other how he got away how you lost the weapon and the assistant guy is pissed that he lost the weapon and Litvak is like to find a mortal all you have to do is follow his dreams that's where they always escape to and the assistant guy says he'll find Jessup I swear And Litvak's like, no, and vanquishes the guard and says, you will, and then you'll find the weapon. No loose ends. And he walks away. I have to say, Barbus, as we've been over, has my heart as favorite bad guy. But Litvak is up there. Like, his energy, the way he presents himself, talks, the little, like, smirkiness, and as we'll see him more throughout the episode... I am loving this demon. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, if we rank favorite demons again at the end of the season, I have a pretty good idea that Litvak is going to be in my top two. I agreed. Like, I think so far. And I love his, like, he's got, like, a slight Southern accent and, like, this very calm manner to him. Like, like he's top dog, which, you know, obviously it's, like, ew. But at the same time, it's, like, that's, what the enemy would play as you know yes, and he does and I he does hate it. that I'm attracted to it like I everything know. he's doing I'm like I shouldn't like want this man but I do <laughs> I know I know like totally giving off dilf vibes like I love lit back right now 
I must say the actor and everything he's even cute like for an older dude like Litvak's a pretty cute guy yeah no like if I was you know an older woman I would want my husband to like be looking like that you know exactly I mean? agreed so I I definitely I'm I'm loving Litvak and yeah if when it comes to the end of the season if we do ranking again he will be up there for sure yeah but even story-wise of this scene, I'm also really liking just his interaction with his employees. Yeah. Um, and the way, you know, he is so calm, so collected, but, like, also at the same time, like, very in control. It's very, very, like, evil, and it really works. Yeah. And I also think his powers are cool. Like, the way he can see these visions of the past and also his fireball power. Yeah, he's obviously some sort of, uh, like, stronger demon. I mean, we've seen in episodes before, kind of where demons that have more power seem to control these other demons that are, like, assistant-type things. So I don't know how that works, but in this episode, we begin to, like, it, it actually, the idea gets introduced, and we see how this ranking kind of works a little more. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to find a lot more out about the demonic world in this episode that I'm excited to talk about as those pieces start getting revealed to us. Agreed. And like you said, his mannerism, the the evilness, the control, it plays very well for a villain. Like I'm loving the the dynamic here. And obviously we see that now he's going to have this other guy going after Bane again and has not yet given up. So we're going to see things escalate yes and I like the idea I like what he said about you know you just have to follow his dreams that's where they always escape to like I felt like that was pretty smart of him to think about because it's kind of true you know I mean if you're gonna be on the run where are you gonna go somewhere you're gonna want to follow your dream then you know yeah and it kind of like it reminds me back to when like like a lot of demons are really smart like that never seems to be their downfall like, they understand humanity. Like, we saw this with Rodriguez, too, in season one, when he was like, I had this suspicion that, like, the Charmed Ones were involved with, like, a cop. So I got, I infiltrated that. And that's how I kind of made the connection with Andy. Like, and then we see here, he understands that, like, a mortal man is going to go back to his dreams. So I like seeing that. And I like We'll talk more about what Litvak's downfall might be later in the episode, but it's interesting to see the way that these demons, it's not that they're not intelligent. It's not that they don't understand humans. It's typically that they're too cocky. That yeah. tends to be their downfall. Yeah, I, I definitely agree because you see, like you said a lot, the intelligence is there all the time. But yeah, it's the it's the ego that proves them wrong every time, you know, like always their downfall yeah so then we're at the manor and we're in the living room and leo's there and he's holding the weapon and piper is telling him that they couldn't find it in the book and leo says that it's a weapon that can only be activated by a demon he says that it's handed out by specific upper level demons to those who work for him and phoebe says what do you mean upper level and he explains that there's a hierarchy of demons they try to work their way up by destroying good, promoting evil. And then he says, whoever issued this weapon is very important. And Piper says, you mean dangerous. Any idea who? 
and he doesn't know who it would be. And then Phoebe takes the weapon and goes back to the book, hoping she can find information. So here, like I was saying before, I didn't realize it was coming up in the next scene, but we get introduced to this idea of upper level demons, lower level demons, and sort of this hierarchy that they have. It does make me wonder, though, because he's saying here that they work their way up by destroying good and promoting evil. What do they work their way up to? You know, like, is there some sort of main demon that's out there that they need to that they all want to become or something? Or do they each just kind of have their own little society of demons? Like, we we really don't know how it works because we get introduced to so many different types. Yeah. No, totally. And I feel like a lot of what we've seen so far in the show has been warlocks more than demons. Like we've gotten the occasional demon. So I'm excited to see the way that like demons might start to play a larger role in the show as we learn more about kind of this hierarchy and a specific character who will be introduced to the idea of later in the episode. Exactly. And we'll talk about that more when we get to it. (laughs) Yeah. So... In the doorway, Piper thanks Leo for coming over and for taking care of the club. And he asks if she needs anything else. And she's like, I don't know. I can't do anything but think about Prue right now. And Leo's like, remember, you know, the most important thing. Phoebe's premonition proves that Prue is still alive. And she's like, I know, but for how long? I mean, what if we can't get to her? What if she's hurt? And then he gives her a hug and he says, I wish I could do more because I can't help but remember all the times that I could. And then he leaves and Piper leans against the door and sighs. And we see Leo on the other side of the door and he looks back and like touches the door and looks so sad. Oh, this scene was heart-wrenching. I mean, it sucks because we see here the difficulty that Piper's feeling and Leo, like, I'm glad I'm mortal. So in a way, like, you know, that kind of, gives them more of a chance to be together but at the same time he's been this white lighter for so long that now when they're in situations like this he wishes that he could help them not even just Piper but all of them and he can't so it's definitely like a very conflicting feeling for him I'm sure Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing we're also seeing in this scene is like now that he is mortal, like you were saying, the only thing he can really do is try to comfort her, right? But because of where their relationship is at and how tricky things are between them, he can't, he doesn't even feel like he can do that. And that's kind of what that moment of him touching the door signified for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely did. I mean, you could tell that he wishes that he could do more for her comfort wise, like you said, and everything wishing that he could be the one that's there for her. And I feel like even though he's not really able to because of the situation that they're in, he still manages to do a pretty good job. Like Leo seems to know what to say a lot. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with kind of his role as a white lighter and supposed to be that guide type person, you know, that he's been for so long. But I feel like he is very helpful to them in those moments. Like, knows the right things to say even though it's not as much as he wish he could yeah definitely and I like the way that you know even though he's not their white lighter even though he's not a white lighter they still use him for that knowledge and like he still does have this connection not just to Piper but to all the sisters because he still has that magical history and knowledge that can be beneficial to them and I think you know, even as in his state as a mortal, like he can do more for the sisters than Dan ever could. Yeah, 
exactly that knowledge and experience that he has is what's keeping him around and keeping him in the loop a lot and it works for me you know like him having to still be around them still asking him like it doesn't feel like why are they still using him because he's immortal it feels like he knows he knows these things and that's why they go to him for the help that they need you know yeah exactly because you know he has these like 50 years of experience and they have this one year of experience as witches exactly so then we're back at the construction site and Bane kneels down next to Prue and he says, I don't think you understand. As long as you're here with me, your life is on the line too. Prue says that she can take care of herself. He says, not against Litvak. You have a fighting chance with your sisters, but as long as you're alone, you're as powerless as I am. Even if you can't trust me, you can trust that. She says, I told you, I'm not getting my sisters involved. He says, fine, your sisters came looking for you once before, they'll come looking again. And she says, not if I can help it. And then her head falls down and we hear the astral projection sound effect. So obviously she's going to be astral projecting to them. I'm trying to think, I mean, I I feel like there's not too much new information here. It's still kind of that banter between the two of them, but you can see, I, I feel like you can tell his mannerisms and the way he's speaking to her. He's not aggressive and forceful it is very much like he wants her help and has nothing against her you know so we we can kind of see that by the way that he's talking to her which is I think also what helps in getting her to his side yeah definitely I think we saw a bit of the softness last scene and we're seeing it again now even though he does have her blindfolded because you know she used her powers against him there is like while he is really really trying to convince her he's not being like he's not doing anything to physically hurt her at this point exactly he's basically just begging for her help yeah and then you know kind of saying well your sisters if i can't rely on you maybe like they'll be able to help exactly so then in the attic we see piper and phoebe are by the book phoebe's reading and it says a weapon issued by level two demons And Piper says, but it doesn't say which level two demons. And the book turns, starts spinning pages on its own again. And it turns to a page with mariners and Phoebe's confused. And she's like, they're not demons, they're sea fairy. And Piper gets mad and she's like, that's because it has nothing to do with Prue, Phoebe. It's a sign. Dan was a baseball player for the Seattle Mariners. And Phoebe's like, no one feels worse than I do right now. And then that's when Prue appears in her astral form and they run up to her and they're like, thank God you're okay. And she tells them about Bane and they ask where she is. Prue says, you can't find me. It's a trap. So just stay away and don't look for me. And then projects out. But they're both like, wait, like what the hell? But she's already gone at this point. So there's nothing they can do. I feel like that's a common thing that we've talked about before that we see with Prue, where when it comes to her sisters, she will fight to the death always want to be there for them but when it comes to problems that she has like that are happening to her she doesn't want them involved she wants to handle things herself she's still got that protective energy and that confidence that we've seen so many times in the past yeah and you know I mentioned earlier about a lot of the villains we see having a big ego I think Prue does too I think that's one of Prue's negative traits I don't think it comes from a bad place because she doesn't have bad intentions the way that villains do but her ego does tend to get her into some tricky situations 
And in this episode, like in many episodes before, we'll see things work out for her. But I just worry about Prue sometimes because we've seen time and time again that the three of them are strongest when they work together. Yes, Prue has the strongest powers. Yes, Prue is an experienced witch, but she she needs her sisters. At the end of the day, they work the best when they're the power of three. And sometimes I just want her to remember that. Yeah, and it seems like at the end of the day, she's had that kind of lesson brought to her before where she knows that, you know, we work better together and we're strongest together, but still can't seem to get it through when it's actually happening in the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. She feels the need to handle things herself. And like you said, it comes from a good place, like good intentions, but her pride does get her into some situations that aren't good like if she had included her sisters from the start in a lot of these problems they could have figured things out a lot sooner Mm -hmm. you know and I know it comes from a place of like wanting to protect her sisters wanting to keep them safe but also I mean they want to do the same for her imagine how worried they are right now like you've been kidnapped bro yeah exactly they're probably freaking out and the fact that you're going to come to them and be like it's a trap leave me alone that doesn't make them feel any better you know that doesn't make them feel like oh okay she's fine then like no what what do you mean it's a trap who's after you what do we do so it it doesn't it's not like it was comforting at all yeah except to see that she is still alive Mm -hmm. and then the only other thing I want to point out in this scene is if we're keeping track of the signs so far it's one for Leo two for Dan right because we got Leonardo's Boutique and then we got Bodega Bay and the Mariners for Dan. Yes exactly. So then we go back to the construction site and Bane hears Prue gasping and asks her if she's okay. He takes the blindfold off. He's like I thought maybe you passed out or something and she's like looking at him. She asks him if he's feeling guilty. She says that's a good sign. It means you have a conscience. He gets up and starts to untie her. She asks what he's doing. He tells her that he's letting her go. She's like, just like that. He sits down across from her and he says, I never wanted to hurt you, Prue. I only wanted your help. But you can't help me if you don't trust me and you're in danger as long as you're here. He stands up and like helps her to get up from the chair. And then he tells her there's a market down the road. You'll never see me again, I promise. Then as, you know, he's about to let her go, we see the assistant demon walk in and hold out the weapon. Bane pushes Prue out of the way and they both fall as like the weapon like zaps that blue ray out of it and it shoots towards them. Then the demon shoots it again and Prue deflects it using her power and it hits the ceiling. She uses her power then to throw the demon through like the where the window would be but there's nothing there because it's like an unfinished house. And then he runs away. Prue looks over at Bane and we see that he's bleeding. He got stabbed by like one of the pieces of equipment and they're looking at each other and Bane says, I told you I never wanted to hurt you. And she's like, you just saved my life. And he asks if she thinks she can trust him now. So this whole moment is obviously the kind of the switching factor between Prue trusting him and not. So here we see that he does have that sensitive side. He is a human being you know and actually does care and doesn't want anybody to get hurt like he tried to get her help obviously a little too forceful with the whole kidnapping thing but um (laughs) but once he realized it wasn't going to happen he figured the best thing to do was like let her go so she's not in danger as well that's very sweet 
and for him to save her life and her to kind of protect him too from the demon I felt like this whole scene was very well put together yeah no I totally agree and I think something we saw in the last couple of scenes was like Bane never expected Prue to protect him on her own, right? He was always yeah. like, I need the sisters. And so the moment he realizes that that's never going to happen and that, you know, something might be wrong with Prue, I mean, he thought she like passed out or something, obviously, because he doesn't know about her power. He was like, I have to let her go. If she's not going to help me, if she's not going to get her sisters to help me, I have to let her go because he doesn't want to put her life at risk. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to hurt her. That's not his intention here. Yeah, he genuinely just wanted some help. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very sweet. And now, obviously, we're going to see that shift of kind of Prue and Bane starting to work together. Yeah, exactly. Because I think now that the demon attack has happened, and he did, like she said, save her life, his status has kind of gone from kidnapper to innocent, right? So now yeah. Prue does want to help him, probably. Exactly. Now we are back at the manor and Daryl and Piper walk into the conservatory and Daryl says, tell me you're kidding. And Piper's like, it's all over the news. And Phoebe says, we called as soon as we saw the first broadcast. And she turns on the TV and we see this news report about Bane's escape. Daryl's like, so much for keeping things quiet. This is a nightmare. And they make a couple of jokes and Daryl says, what I want is Prue safe, Bane put in jail and nobody hurt by any... And then he spots the weapon and he's like, do you know what this is yet? And they say that they're still looking, but they tell him that Prue made contact and that she's okay. And he gives them Bane's file that he took from the station. And then the phone rings and Phoebe answers it and says, it's someone calling for a Leonora Watkins. And she hands the phone to Piper and Piper's like, you have the wrong number, clearly annoyed, and then hangs up. And Piper says she hopes Bane isn't hurting Prue. Mm -hmm. So here we go again. Now it's now they're even. Two and two. Two for Leo, two for Dan. And here we also don't get too much. I feel like nothing really happens here. It's just kind of more plot. Yeah, exactly. Now that the news knows that he escaped. Yeah. And it's really just developing kind of like that worry that the sisters are feeling and that Daryl's feeling for Prue. Which I also think is very sweet, the way Daryl kind of puts his job at risk. Like, we've mentioned this before, but he's willing to do those things for the sisters because he knows that they're doing things for the greater good. And at this point, I feel like they're developing more than just a business relationship. Like, they care about each other now, you know? Like, Daryl and the sisters, they have an actual relationship, much like they did with Andy, obviously, minus the whole, you know, like, dating type part but but they care about each other and he genuinely is concerned for Prue which is Mm -hmm. nice to see that development yeah we're very like slowly but consistently seeing Daryl become a part of the family exactly so then we move back to the construction site and you know they just said that they hope that Bane isn't hurting Prue and then we see that Prue is tending to Bane's wound he asks if she knows what she's doing she's like no not really but right now I'm the only choice you've got He kind of tells her to just forget about him and that she should go home before the demon comes back. Prue says, I told you he's gone. He probably ran right back to lip back. He's like, so he knows about you too, all the more reason to leave. She says, well, as much as I would like to, I can't. Not until I know you're okay. Besides, it's probably better to just stay put. 
I mean, now that we've been sighted, they'll probably expect us to take off. Speaking of things that need to be taken off, your um pants. And he's like, excuse me? She's like, well, I need to get to the um wound. And he's like, forget it. And she tells him it'll get infected. And then she's like, so you either take them off on your own or I can always do it by fourths. And he shakes his head, but then he gets up and they're both like kind of like smiley. Like it got very flirty all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely love this scene. Do have some comments though. She was full on touching the wound. I like she was already his pants. He did not need to come off. No, not at all. Like the wound <laughs> is like on his stomach, not like <laughs> I know. She already had her hands in the wound on his stomach. And like what what was taking off his pants gonna do? Didn't make she any sense. She just wanted to see those legs. For real, honestly. And another thing, where did Bane get clothes from? Like, didn't <laughs> he just escape prison? Like, where where did you get like a whole nice outfit? I Yeah, because like this house is unfinished it's not like he got it out of his dresser <laughs> no and they're like what's he it's not like he went to the hallowells and kidnapped prue and stole their clothes like this is like a full like nice outfit that you'd see someone he's got a belt and everything like where did he get these like i don't understand good question good question he actually stopped at a store on the <laughs> way i know like he must have right where'd you find these but yeah, and like, just... what happened to the van? How did he travel beyond <laughs> that? Many questions, many questions. I know, we've got zero information. I guess it's one of those things we can chop it up to like his experience. He's probably has like some sort of secret hidden spot for things since like a getaway type thing, since he's uh, always kind of been on the other side of the law. Maybe, maybe we could say that. Yeah. Because we don't really get any other information about it. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you know, as far as their interactions, the chemistry is undeniable. There's this little, like, cute awkwardness with Prue and then this kind of, like, flirtiness that she has sometimes, too. Like, we see both of it there. And then we see, of course, that smiley, smiley look they have at the end. And we know it's about to go down. Oh, yeah. We know. The pants are coming off. Okay. <laughs> not just his (laughs) exactly so back in the conservatory phoebe walks in with the book and says that she's getting nowhere and everywhere and piper is sitting in a chair with the file in her lap and phoebe asks if she's had any luck and piper's like i'll give bane this he works hard tax evasion racketeering pick a crime any crime and phoebe says i feel like we're looking right at the answer we're just not seeing it And then Piper mentions money laundering on a real estate development and hands Phoebe the brochure. And Phoebe says, Mariner's Bluff. Oh, I'm sure the sea fairies will be very happy here. And that's when Piper kind of has like an epiphany and she's like, Phoebe, what exactly did your spell say? And Phoebe repeats the spell. It said, I beseech all powers above, send a sign to free my sister's heart, one that will lead her to her love and asks Piper why. Piper's like, because the Book of Shadows specifically opened to the Mariner's section. What if the signs we're getting have nothing to do with Dan and Leo and everything to do with Prue? Where is Mariner's Bluff? And Phoebe sees on the map that it's in Bodega Bay, and she's like, Piper, I think you're right. And then they start thinking about what the clues were, the Mariner's, Bodega Bay, and Leonora Watkins. And then Phoebe finds Watkins Road on the map in the brochure, 
and they're looking for a lot number and then phoebe sits down on the remote and it opens to a newscast says in an exhibition game last night the mariners lost to the angels eight to seven and she clicks it off and phoebe's like okay now we're back to dan and leo mariners and angels and piper says no phoebe eight to seven lot eight to seven and phoebe looks and sees that there is one and they leave to go yes so here we find out that you know the signs were about of course yes uh, so this was the connection we were talking about how both of the plots kind of connect here obviously it's like it seems to have a little bit to do with both the sisters honestly obviously mm -hmm. you know because of the leonardo and then the angels and mariners and all of that but at the same time it's helping them and leading them to prue yes so pretty cool i like the way they made that connection and had them figure that out it felt pretty reasonable i mean the the one part that felt too leading to me was like the lot number yeah thing. i know i, was, I like, was about to say 827 was a bit of a reach but I mean, everything else did work for me um the other thing i want to point out is that we get some foreshadowing in this scene because it says the mariners lost to the angels oh yeah that's our final clue. They were two and two. And then it says Mariners lost to the Angels. And wow. as we'll find out in the final scene, spoiler to the end of the episode, the Mariners sure will lose to the Angels. Damn right. <laughs> Not that any of us were surprised. Not at all. So then we're back at the construction site, or as we'll now refer to it, Mariners Bluff. And Bane is sitting down and asks Prue why she's still there. She walks closer to him and says, because um, I believe you. And he says, well, thank you. It's been a long time since someone believed in me. She said, maybe that's because you stopped believing in yourself. He says, you know, I haven't always been like this. Wrong side of the law, always looking over my shoulder. I had dreams once, big dreams. She tells him it's not too late to change. He says, no, it is for me, but not for you. So you should definitely go. You can still have your dreams. And she says, easier said than done. He asks what she means. And she says, I don't know. I've just been thinking lately that maybe dreams are just that, dreams. He says he doesn't believe that. And then they share the look and they kiss. <laughs> and then she's like hurting him because of his wound. And they break apart and she laughs and says, I'm sorry. He says, I'm not. And then they start making out. Yes. So love the scene. Couple of cliches in there that was like, okay, like a little cringy, but whatever. And the way they're talking about, you know, the danger and like, why are you still here made sense. But then like, they just start getting into conversation about like their dreams and shit like that. It's like, what? how did we get here? But very cute, I will say. But that smooching sound that I heard, the like, like, ew. I was like, ew. <laughs> when I heard it, that shit was loud. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Wait. So it, when I was in college, my major was film. And so I did a lot of like video editing and I also did a lot of acting. And I will say that one of the most awkward experiences I ever had was editing a scene that I kissed a fellow actor in because just hearing the sounds of you kissing somebody is so gross. And like, it really is loud like that when you go to edit it, like in video editing software. Oh, it's so, I hate the noise. It's like, 
like like (laughs) yeah because like when you like kiss in real life like you don't think about like the sound effect but like when you like see it in video it's like like you said there's a lot of cliches in here but i do like the way they're kind of finding this connection to each other i do think you know they do have this connection that we're seeing and you know it's about to get very romantic between them but there's also this kind of understanding that i feel like they're developing and i think they both come from a place where they had to walk away for their dreams for very different reasons and both of them do kind of want to get back to that place of hope and i think they're bringing it out in each other which is really sweet yeah i definitely agree i think you're right there's a lot that they can relate to in different ways but they can relate like you're saying and it works you know that's where the romance the chemistry kind of strengthens it I think yeah definitely so then we are back at the cemetery and Litvak has his hand on the demon's head and watches what happened and he says interesting and the assistant guy says I know I screwed up oblivion right and Litvak says this is different you weren't just up against a mortal from what I saw you were also up against a witch the other guy says no excuse hundreds of witches out there I should be able to handle one by myself. Litvak says this one's different, powerful, very powerful. Take me to this mortal's dream house. And he's like, why? I mean, they've got to be long gone by now. And Litvak says, but their essence remains. I'll need to tap into it if I expect to reach their minds. The source likes it when I feed him witches. That's how I got to where I am. And he walks past him. So a couple of things. I mean... This demon obviously is head over heels for Litvak, as we all are. I um, know. He's like, he's very like, like um, kill me. Just kill, kill me. me. I deserve please. it. I'm yeah. unworthy. Exactly. Like, damn. And then Litvak, now seeing that there's a witch involved, a powerful witch, and we get this idea of his new power or his other power where he can kind of sense people's essences to reach their minds and I don't know exactly like when he said it I didn't know exactly what he meant by it but we're gonna see how it happens in the future and it is another pretty cool power yeah um and then we also get this introduction of a someone called the source yeah who the fuck is that is that our big bad that I've been talking about wanting to meet a big bad for a long time yeah I know is this the big bad that we're all wondering about and have been yeah. And now that he's introduced, I assume this is something, someone important, someone higher level, because we already know that Litvak is upper level, mm-hmm. as they said before, which means, and this guy seems to be, this source guy seems to be Litvak's boss by the yeah. way that he's talking about him. So now we know there's an even higher level, and we don't know too much about the ranking yet, but I assume that the source is going to be important in the future. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. So then we go back to Mariner's Bluff and it's sunset and we see that there are clothes all over the floor and Bane is naked and he's sleeping in some sheets on the floor and starting to wake up. He like calls for Prue because she's not there. And then we see her on the other side of the room. She's in a tank top and his boxers standing by the open window frame. He walks over to her with a blanket wrapped around him and is like, Prue. And she's like, the view's amazing. And he's just like looking at her and, you know, because it's a cliche, he has to say, not as good as mine. 
And then he's like, I thought maybe you left. And she says, no, I just couldn't really find all of my clothes. And they both smile. And she says, I'll help you with lip vac. You just have to promise me that you'll turn yourself back in when it's all over. And he looks down and she's like, Bane. And then he looks at her. He says, you know, I was thinking maybe this, us, doesn't have to end. Maybe we can go somewhere where we can be together. Get away from all of this. What do you say? And she says, I would say that you're beginning to strike me as a dreamer. And then they start kissing, but the room freezes and Prue steps away confused and Piper and Phoebe walk in and Piper's like, oh my God. And Prue's like, what are you guys doing here? And Phoebe says, we're rescuing you from the tall, dark, and naked man. (laughs) And Prue's like, I told you to stay away. And Phoebe's like, yeah, and now I know why. He is yummy. And Piper says, I don't believe this. We've been frantic, worried, sick about you, thinking you've been kidnapped. And Prue's like, yeah, I was. And Piper looks over at the pile of clothes and points, and she's like, panties. (laughs) And Prue runs over and like grabs them and like then hides them behind her back. And she tells them they've got it wrong and asks how they found her. Piper says that they'll explain later, but they really need to get going now because there's a demon behind this. And Prue's like, yeah, lip back. Wait, how did you know? And Phoebe says, we have the weapon he used to break Bane out of jail. And Prue says, no, he tried to kill Bane in jail, not break him out. And Piper says, or so Bane says. And Prue says that she believes him because the one of the guys came here and tried to kill her. Uh, and Piper says, all the more reason we should get going now. And Prue says to unfreeze him. So she does. And he looks over at them and he's like, oh, hello. And they tell him to put his clothes on. And Piper turns away and like covers Phoebe's eyes as they start walking out. <laughs> so I loved this whole scene. Like you said, yeah, still the cliche, but whatever. Another thing, though, I don't know why they do that. And like, what is the time period? Like, they they obviously had sex, but they like laid down a sheet or something. Like that felt unnecessary. I mean, <laughs> where did the sheet come from? I, have I know. Questions. Like, there's like multiple questions here. And then they what? They took a nap after. I'm like what? <laughs> Like, why is Bane waking up? I don't understand. I I don't know. Like, it's just the thing in, like, TVs and movies. Like, if you have sex, you have to immediately go to sleep. <laughs> you can't have a conversation. You can't, like, go and do something else. You, you're just passed the fuck out. You're I so know, exhausted like... from the activity. <laughs> so tiring that you can't do anything, even though there's demons and people after you and actual issues on the line you know they just were like let's take a quick nap after we hook up like so unrealistic (laughs) also so gross you're wearing his dirty boxers can we yeah ew ew i couldn't like i don't care how much i like somebody i'm not putting on their used underwear i know right that's never gonna happen i'm not even gonna put on my used underwear okay i'm gonna get new underwear i'm gonna get clean underwear exactly i'm gonna need something clean to wear and why uh, how does he like he's got a whole outfit like you've got boxers too like where <laughs> like where did you find all of this crap like those are nice boxers like <laughs> well we know bane's rich so true if he had a stash spot there were going to be designer clothes there i'm sure yeah 
that's so funny though like it was just so unrealistic but I love the kind of sister interaction it felt very them you know like it very much was their personalities like Piper being mad and confused like focusing on how worried they were Phoebe on the other hand being like still all about Bane like he's yummy like all all this shit (laughs) but still being concerned it just felt very sisterly and it worked with their characters yeah and like the teasing her about her panties was so funny I was like I love this this is great it was so funny (laughs) do find it a little weird still that Phoebe still like they all kind of do it where they have like the eyes for the people that they're dating you know or like hooking up with like ew I I couldn't do that yeah no if I saw a semi-naked man that my sibling had just hooked up with I would not be checking them out or like anything like this like I would be uncomfortable yeah I'd be like oh let me give you guys need some privacy like let me leave yeah exactly that's what I would do like that's super weird to be checking them out and that would make me mad too I'd be like what the hell like you're my sister what the hell are you doing checking out this guy that I'm like with right now yeah but obviously they don't have those rules in this reality. Yeah, no, they they have very different boundaries. Exactly. But but overall, funny scene. Uh, I like the them coming together finally, and we're going to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. So we are at the manor, and it is nighttime. And the four of them walk in, and Prue tells him that there's peroxide upstairs in the bathroom that he can use for the wound, and he goes upstairs. And the sisters walk into the living room, Piper's like first I'd like to tell you I'm relieved that you're okay and Phoebe's like me too and she's like and second I'd like to tell you that you have completely lost your mind and Phoebe's like completely lost your mind it's funny and Prue says okay we have a demon to vanquish and she tells them that Bane is an innocent and she trusts him plus Litvak needs to be vanquished either way but the other two sisters don't trust Bane but they all start looking in the book it's cute. It's really another sisterly moment. And then we have just kind of them establishing what needs to happen next. Exactly. So then we are kind of in this scene where we see Litvak and the assistant demon are at Bane's house. And then Bane is in the bathroom. He's looking in the mirror and we see like this like ghost of Litvak type of special effect appear behind him in the mirror. And he says, hello, Bane. And then Bane like looks behind him and there's nobody there. And Litvak tells him that it's a telepathic connection and that he's only there in his mind. He tells him that he found him using his essence. And Bane tells him basically that he's not scared and that Litvak doesn't scare him. And Litvak says, sure I do. I scare everybody for good reason. By the way, your essence isn't the only one I sense here. You betted a witch and not just any witch, one of the charmed ones. My offer is simple. Your life in exchange for theirs. Bane's like, screw you. And Litvak just laughs. And he says that he can keep sending demons until one of them eventually gets him. And then Bane punches the mirror. And he's like, you know me, Bane, better than you wish you did. I'm evil, just like you are. And you can't change that no matter what you do or who you sleep with. It's who you are. And then he asks for the witches and the weapon. That's when Prue knocks on the door and Litvak vanishes. Bane tells her that he'll be right out. Then in the hallway, Bane comes out and Prue's like, hi, I thought you'd like skipped out on me or something. 
He says, no, I was just washing up. And he walks away and she looks kind of concerned, but follows him. Then we flash back to Mariner's Bluff, where we see Litvak standing there with his eyes closed. And the demon assistant says, so is he going to do it or what? And Litvak just shushes him. So here is another example of why I just love Litvak. Like we see his energy, his like confidence, the the little laugh and the sure I do, I scare everybody, all of that. Like, I don't know, it, it felt very villainy to me. Just pretty much everything we were saying in the beginning, just love, love him playing this part works so well. And this kind of moment here where we can't tell if he is getting to Bane and Bane is going to go along with what he says or or not you know so yeah. we're all kind of curious at this point no real answer yeah this you know you're evil just like just like me you know like yeah. that kind of thing is really working and it makes me like question like can we trust bane because we got this idea in the last scene that prue definitely trusts him but i'm like can we trust him exactly because obviously the other two sisters don't but we know that prue does and here you can see like because it could go either way not that Bane is a bad guy and wants something to happen to the sisters but is Litvak going to get in his head and convince him that maybe he should take him up on this deal to kind of free himself from what he's been going through for however long with these demons so we really don't know which side of Bane we're going to get because we've seen him play both sides Mm -hmm. exactly like we've seen him on that wrong side of the law we've seen him as the bad guy i mean we were introduced to him as a villain so i'm like is he gonna go back to his old ways and betray prue you know yes so i'm curious to see how this goes and you know like you mentioned before we see another one of litvak's powers another really cool power yeah the connection reaching them through their minds is very cool Mm -hmm. i think so in the conservatory phoebe and piper are sitting there and prue and bane are walking in phoebe says that she found lit back in the book but no vanquish and prue and bane sit down and phoebe's like our jewelry better still be where it's supposed to be and prue's like we need to focus on lit back and piper thinks maybe we should just let bad enough alone and phoebe asks what she means she says this demon has powers we don't know about why go up against him unprepared what's the rush he doesn't know about us or anything. And Bane says, sure he does. I mean, the demon that he sent after us saw Prue's power, right? You know he told Lip back. Prue says, yeah, but that doesn't mean he knows about all three of us. Bane says, all I'm saying is that he knows enough. If you don't go after him, then he comes after you. And Phoebe says, how can you be sure? And Bane says, because I know him, that's why. Better than I wish I did. And Piper says, still doesn't help us vanquish him. And Phoebe says, I just wish we knew what his other powers were. And Prue asks Bane if he knows. And he's like, no, I have no clue. Sauce. (laughs) And then Bane asks if they still have the weapon. And Piper's like, why? Obviously suspicious. And he says that it might be their only hope. And Piper says, I thought only another demon could activate it. And Bane's like, well, I got one to activate it before. Maybe I could do it again. And Prue says, yeah, that's how he took out the demon guard. And Phoebe's like, so he says. Bane starts kind of getting argumentative with Phoebe, like, what, you think I'm lying? And Phoebe's like, what do you you think? And he says, I don't think I like your implications, lady. I'm in this mess because Litvak tried to off me, remember? You don't trust me, that's fine. I really don't care. But trust this. I've had it with all this supernatural crap, and I'll do anything I have to to get out from underneath it. 
And Phoebe says, that's what worries me. Then Prue gets up and says she trusts him and she grabs his arm and says, I'm just asking you guys to trust me. If we're going to get lit back, we're going to have to work together with Bane. Otherwise, we're all going to be dead. And Piper tells Phoebe that they should go get the weapon. And so they go. Then Bane turns to Prue and she kisses him on the cheek and says she'll be right back and she leaves. Then he sees Litvak and tells him that they're on the way. Yeah, so I think most of this scene's purpose is just to kind of, again, have us wondering whether or not we can trust Bane. We're supposed to get this idea, I think, from this scene that he is going to betray the sisters because we can tell he's hiding something. Phoebe's definitely picking up on the fact that he's hiding something. Yeah, him not admitting about the powers and things like that he's being a little suspicious so we still don't know if we can trust him and we're gonna see later well we'll see what happens but I do like the banter between Phoebe and Bane and kind of the suspicion that Piper and Phoebe have against Bane kind of like the the tension there and then Prue kind of being the middleman like it it worked for me I liked that scene I think yeah one thing I will say is um One thing I'll, like, compliment Antonio Sabato Jr.'s acting for is a lot of these lines they're writing for him are bad, but he delivers them well. So, like, I, like, when I was watching, I wasn't thinking about it, but, like, reading it back, I'm like, these lines are awful. Yeah, he does, he does have some shitty lines, but he plays them really well. Like, none of them felt too... It's like that natural charm he has, I feel like. It kind of, like, makes the fact that the dialogue sucks still work. Agreed, yeah. So then we're at the cemetery, and the four of them are all walking together. And Piper's questioning again whether this is a good idea, and she points out that they don't really have a plan. Prue says, sure we do. Bane goes in, we follow, you freeze Litvak, you get the weapon in his hand, turn it on him, it's pretty simple. Bane suggests that they give the weapon to him, and Phoebe's like, oh, I don't think so. And, you know, Bane's like, the guy wants me dead, remember? The only way for me to stay alive long enough for our plan to work is to show him good faith. And Phoebe says, double-crossing us shows some pretty good faith, too, don't you think? And Phoebe and Piper are standing next to each other, and then Prue and Bane are standing next to each other, kind of across from them. And Prue says, Phoebes, we've been through this. And Piper actually agrees with Prue and says to give the weapon to Bane. She says, we're either doing this or not. And so Phoebe gives it to him and he thanks them. And then he walks up to the mausoleum and like moves some of the numbers around and the door opens. And he tells them to wait at the base of the steps for his signal. Then he tells Prue to trust him and goes in. Phoebe says, I hope we're not making a huge mistake. And they follow after him. The whole the nines turning into sixes, like, okay. (laughs) I know. I was like, this is so cheesy. Yes, so over the top, but it's fine. (laughs) But again, this scene, more of the banter, them figuring out the plan, us kind of building up that that, uh, suspension, whether or not Bane is going to double cross them or not. So kind of feels just more of that. Yeah, and I feel like they're pushing the double cross too far in this scene. Like, the dialogue just feels repetitive of last scene. Yeah. To me. Um, Because none of the sisters are changing anything. Like, we see Piper's worried. We see that Phoebe really doesn't trust Bane. Prue does. Like, it just feels repetitive of exactly what we saw in last scene. 
Like, I know we had to get to the mausoleum physically and like, yeah, there was going to be interaction happening. I only wish that there could have been something new in the dialogue as opposed to just kind of like repetition of what we just saw. Agreed. Yeah. So now we are inside the mausoleum and Litvek is sitting down reading and his demon is like pacing back and forth. And then Bane walks in and says hello. And Litvak closes the book and looks at him. And Bane says, before you kill me, I wanted to give you something, hoping that you'd spare me. And he brings him the weapon. And Litvak says, I'm afraid it's going to take much more than this. And Bane yells, now. And then the sisters run out and freeze the room. And everyone freezes. And they point out that that was a little too easy. And then Piper approaches Litvak, and as she does, he, he moves, meaning he didn't freeze, he was just faking it. And then he starts laughing, and she backs up to her sisters, and, and he's like, I'm immune to the parlor tricks of witches. What's the matter? Bane didn't tell you about that power? And Prue says he said he didn't know. And he walks towards them, and Litvak's like, he knew, he just didn't tell you. And then Piper slaps Prue's shoulder, and... Litvak said he so he showed his true colors, his true evil colors. And then a fireball appears in his hand. And Phoebe says, Prue, I just want you to know I'm really pissed at you right now. And Prue's like, no, 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 wait, something's not right. And Litvak says, this is going to please the source. And Prue tells Piper to unfreeze Bane, and she does. And Bane turns around and looks at Prue, then goes towards the demon and points the weapon at Litvak. And Prue says, tell the source we said hi. And Litvak turns and Piper unfreezes the demon. And Litvak starts getting zapped and he turns and he yells traitor and zaps him back. And then Bane ducks on the floor and Litvak and his demon blow up. And Prue runs over to Bane and asks if he's okay. And Piper's like, what just happened? Prue says, Bane just saved our lives. That's what happened. And Phoebe's like, wait, are you saying that this was all part of the plan to make it look like you were double-crossing us? And Bane says, I had to. If I had told you about his power, you would have come up with a different plan of attack. Litvak would have known. He's telepathic, remember? So we had to believe I double-crossed you, so you'd believe it too. And Piper said, how did you know Prue would figure it out in time? They look at each other, and he says, we uh, trust each other. And they give each other this, like, the most adorable smile. So I felt like this whole plan uh, was pretty good. I loved Litvak playing the part of like pretending like he was frozen and again, just showing that confidence and that energy. Loved it from him. And this is the first time that the sisters were introduced to this source character as well because Litvak says it in front of them. So yeah, so it's not a secret from them. Um, They know about the source, whether or not they'll figure out who or what that is is to be determined, but they have heard the name. I also want to raise a question. I mentioned, you know, that we will be meeting more demons. And I want to question whether this, like, not being able to freeze is something that is specific to Litvak, or if it had something to do with his being a level two demon, and if other level two demons we meet will have that same power. Yeah, good question. I I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see whether or not that's like a given thing from based on his uh, level, like you said, or if it was just him. Yeah, Um, because we saw that, you know, his like the demon that worked for him 
froze. So it was just him that did it. Exactly. Other things, I mean, the double cross and the playing it and everything really was working for me. I loved this scene. I loved the turnout. I love that Bane wasn't a bad guy. Me too. The whole him actually being on the good side, them trusting each other, and this whole idea of he had to make everyone believe that it was a double cross in order to successfully make this happen. Um, and it worked out perfectly. So that was, I, I loved, you know, the turnout of that as well. Yeah. And the way like he trusted in his connection with Prue, right. And that she would figure it out and that she trusted him enough to say, no, this can't be right. And so that kind of like the bond they've made in this episode really is what saved them all. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I loved that. And I mean, overall, this felt like a good vanquish. This was a good ending to this story, and I, I enjoyed it. So then we're back at the manor. We're in the conservatory, and Bane and Prue are sitting together on the couch. She says, it's strange, isn't it, being back where we started? And he says, what's stranger to me is that I'm still here. And she says, I know, it was really good of you to call Morris. And he nods. He says, I have to go back. It's the right thing to do as much as I prefer not to. Listen, I don't know how much time we have, so I really want to apologize. She says, don't. I'm not sorry at all. They kiss, then they pull apart, and Bane says, so this is the awkward part, you know? And she says, tell me about it. He says, well, next time I'll call first, huh? And he laughs, and they just keep looking at each other, and Prue says, thank you for saving my life. He says, thank you for changing mine. And then she smiles and like crawls into his lap and they're just like hugging and it's very like cute. Yeah, so I, I love this moment between them. It's unfortunate that it won't, you know, continue with them, but it was a good connection and, you know, a solid ending to a solid love story kind of thing, you know? I know, like if Prue couldn't be with Andy, why couldn't she be with Bane? Oh my God, I know, it's so heartbreaking. Like, I don't want him to go back Bane to jail. Prue- too good together i know i ship it so hard me too but it it makes sense and you know at the end of the day they kind of had him doing the right thing by going back to jail which is shows more of the good side of him that prue brought out so it makes sense overall yeah you know we have to be morally correct exactly i guess (laughs) (laughs) overall cute scene yeah, you know, the little cliches, thank you for changing mine, but it was cute. Exactly. They're cute enough yeah. that I'll let these cliche lines go. Exactly. We'll, we'll let it pass because they play it so well. Exactly. So now we go to the final scene of the episode and we are at P3 per usual. <laughs> <laughs> and it's packed in there. We see Leo is behind the bar working. Phoebe and Piper are sitting in the alcove and Phoebe says... So who do you think the source is that Litback was talking about? Piper says, I don't want to know. And boy, did we read Bane wrong. And Phoebe says, not surprising. We read all the signs wrong. Then Prue walks in and sits down with them. And Piper asks how it went. She says that the cops took him and everything. And Phoebe's like, are you okay? Prue says, I'm fine. He thanked me for changing his life. And Phoebe says, wow, you must have been a really good, uh, and Piper says, influence on him. And Prue says, yes, well, the influence was mutual. So um, how did you guys find me anyway? Phoebe tells her about the spell and how it kind of led them to her. And 
Bruce says, so what was the outcome, Dan or Leo? And then Piper looks over at Leo and says, I never needed a sign to tell me where my heart lies. Oh, my God. Beautiful. This was beautiful ending. This is such a good episode. Goodbye, Dan. It's over. You're cut. You're done. 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 Like, you're out. And I would just like to say, like, I really related to like what Piper was doing throughout the episode because in this episode and in the last one we saw her like really trying to like convince herself that this is a struggle right that she has to make this decision but the truth is she was just trying to convince herself not to follow her heart and then we see here that she's like no I always know like she always knew it was Leo we always knew it was Leo she was just trying to convince herself it was Dan because she feels bad leaving him Exactly. Like, that's a totally relatable feeling. And it makes sense. She knew from the start that Leo was the one for her. I mean, since season one, since their relationship started, anytime they've been in that on again, off again phase, and she's been with other guys like Josh or Dan, we've seen her mention Leo over and over again, and how she can't seem to get him out of her mind. So we always knew she always knew Leo was kind of the one that got away. But now he's here and nothing's changed for her. So absolutely love that scene. Love her little smile at the end and the sisters being all happy knowing that obviously this means it's Leo. And I must say, Piper's dress in this scene here, so cute. She looks adorable. I love it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I'll also mention, I mean, I'm sure that now that she's made her decision, everything is going to be perfect from here on out. And we're never going to see any hardship between her and Leo ever again. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure that's just the end of that. This is their fairy tale ending. Yeah, this is it. Piper and Leo, happy forever. No problems. None. Well, I can't wait to see how this develops. Yeah. And I guess the only other thing worth mentioning here is, you know, Phoebe brought up the source, so I don't think this is the last time we'll hear that name. Agreed. And again, with the signs and the dreamer, but, you know, those kind of really don't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah, it really was was just just kind of like, yeah, I don't know why. An episode long kind of theme. Exactly. Yeah. So aside from that, source and Piper and Leo are really the only things that I assume we'll be moving forward from here throughout the show. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other thing as far as the dreamer thing goes, I do think that Prue is going to continue chasing her dream and we'll see where that goes from here. Yes, exactly. Agreed. Overall thoughts on the episode? Honestly, really loved it. I mean, I always liked the episode, but again, it's one of those episodes where you see kind of the big moments happen, like with Piper and Leo and kind of the way that the sisters all connected there was a lot of really great actors and acting in this like overall I think this episode worked so well for me Mm -hmm. I don't I really don't have any complaints no I don't either I mean I loved Bane's redemption arc that we get here Um, I was really happy to have him back we all know he's my number one crush of the show I also really enjoyed, like you said, the acting throughout was really stellar. I think that 
the pipe uh, the Piper and Leo stuff that we develop in this episode is strong. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the next couple of episodes following this. I also totally forgot that this was the episode that the source was introduced in. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen with that, what we're going to learn about him, who he is, all of that. Exactly. We have a lot to look forward to from here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com and join us back next time for season two, episode 16, Murphy's Luck.